Hey everyone, I hope you are doing well amid this coronavirus lockdown and that you are finding positive ways to stay productive, especially with acts like reading. The previous bonus episode season consisted of 11 by 11 stories that I read aloud, and I hope you enjoyed it. This season consists of folklore and fables from various regions. Each episode will be themed by a region and will consist of an enriching cultural experience for all. The region being covered in today's episode is the subcontinent of India. India has such a rich culture with hundreds of different types of food and languages within the country itself. Ancient India consisted of kings and ministers, and India at this time was a very rich and majestic country. As we are all well aware of, Folk tales are stories that are passed down over generations. Some may be published, but others may simply pass down through households. My own mother has had many folk tales told to her by her father, and one of them she published her own version of into a book called Never Lie Ever. Please find the link to this incredible book in the notes section. I'm guessing that based on the name of the book, you can guess what the moral of the story is. Now please enjoy this classic folk tale, which I doubt that you have ever heard before. Never Lie Ever by Ritu Goyal. Never Lie Ever. Adapted from an Indian folk tale. On one fine, warm, sunny day, Chiriya and Charanta set out for some food and hay. They wished for something sweet and nice. Chiranta got some milk, and Chiriya came back with some rice. Thrilled, they both cried. This is no kidding. I don't believe this. We are all set for our rice pudding. I am so excited, said Chiranta. I just cannot wait. I think I'll eat the whole plate. Patience, my dear. It'll be ready in a while, said Chiria. Till then, can you please make the bed and clean that pile? Chiria called out, Honey, the pudding is all done, but eating it hot is sure no fun. And so, as agreed, they both went to sleep, but the yummy smell made Geronta weep. He wanted to have it, and have it now. The question he kept on pondering was, how? Geronta thought, now I can wait no more. I will only have a spoonful, I'm sure. And so he ate to his heart's content. Only he didn't know he'd have to repent. Jiria woke up all excited to share the treat with her husband, but she couldn't believe what she saw. An empty pot, nothing to eat. She was sure of the one who could do this, so she called Chiranta without a moment's miss. Did you eat the pudding while I was sleeping? No, said Chiranta. I did not. I'm not the one who was cheating. She was hungry. She was angry, but calm and quiet, she passed the night. 
The next morning, Jiria said, I cannot let this go. I need to sort it out. You are lying. I have no doubt. Pretending to be honest, Jiranta said, I am ready to take any test. I am not scared. I know I'm not lying. Tell me the test that nobody has dared. So both went to the judging well. A big leap on the swing could tell. The liar will slip and sink, but the honest will reach a cross in a wink. Sure of her truth, Chidia was first in the row. Whoosh! And across she went in one go. Trembling, Toronto was on the swing, saying, Oh no, oh no! Thump! He fell in the well, deep below. Chidia started to sob and sigh. Seeing Chidia cry, Aunt Billy stopped by. Don't you cry, my dear, said Aunt Billy. I can help whatever the need be. My Chiranta is in the well. Can you take him out for me? Sure, said Aunt Billy. But in return, what is it that you will give me, my dear? Sad and helpless, Chidia said. Whatever you ask for, that I can bear. Oh, sure, I ask for nothing much. Just the Chirata for lunch. Hearing this, Chiria felt a big punch. But calm as she could be, she agreed. And so Aunt Billy jumped in the well with her greed. Out she came with Chirata in her teeth. And she asked Chiria if now she could eat. Polite as she could be, Chidia said, let him dry a little, he's all wet. After a while, Aunt Bully said, I'm eager for my feast. Oh, said Chidia, let him flutter his feathers at least. Unable to control her hunger, Aunt Bully said, I can no longer wait or stop. Oh, kind as you have been, please let him jump. Let him hop. Getting impatient, Aunt Billy said, I am not supposed to wait till night. Oh, sure, said Jiria. First, let him have a little flight. Not wanting to listen to a thing, Aunt Billy made a big leap. Oh, no, hold on, cried Jiria. Kind as you have been, let him make his last big sweep. Saying this, Chiria gave a sign to Toronto by a wink, and they both were soon flying high in a blink. Chiranta was sorry for all the trouble and pain. He learned his lesson well, never to lie again. Dear reader, you may have come across a few words that are new to you. Chiria means female bird in Hindi. Chiranta means male bird in Hindi. And Billy means cat in Hindi. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this folktale. 
Next is a collection of fables called the Panchatantra. This involves animals and contains lots of morals. Now please enjoy these stories from the Panchatantra. This is actually one of the oldest compilations of fables in the world. The Tactful Fox Once there lived an elephant in a thick forest. He was very old and weak. One night, he breathed his last. Next morning, a wise fox happened to pass that way. He saw the dead elephant and felt very pleased. He was sure that he would enjoy the elephant's flesh for a number of days. But when he tried to eat it, he could not. The thick skin of the elephant was too hard for the fox to bite, so he felt very helpless. Very clever an animal as the fox is, he didn't feel disappointed. He began to think hard as to what to do. But just then, a lion happened to come there. So the fox thought of sending the king of the forest away, but in the most polite manner. The fox said to the lion, Your majesty, here is a dead elephant. I am looking after it for your honor. Kindly eat it so that I may feed on your leftover food. The lion at once said, Shut up, you rascal! Don't you know that lions eat their own prey? Pardon me, sir. I am a humble servant of yours, and it's my duty to make an offer to my master, said the fox. The lion was very pleased to hear the flattering words of the fox, and went away smiling from there. Thus the tactful fox saved his food from the lion. After some time, a tiger happened to come there. The fox said to himself, I must send him away, through a trick. At once, he hit upon a plan and acted upon it. Saluting the tiger, the fox said, Sir, I can't dare say, but your life is in danger here, so I shall request you to go away as soon as possible. What danger? asked the tiger angrily. The lion has killed this elephant. Ordering me to stand guard here, he has gone for a bath in the river. So I have made this request to you, replied the fox. Hearing the words of the fox, the tiger was frightened. He asked the fox not to tell the lion about his visit and left the place to save his life. Hardly had the tiger left the place when a leopard appeared on the scene. Seeing his sharp teeth, the fox made up his mind to seek help from him without letting him eat anything. So the fox said to the leopard, Hello sir, where have you been all these days? I am seeing you after a good many days. If I am not wrong, you seem to be very hungry. Yes, you are right, Mr. Fox. I am very hungry indeed. I have not been able to kill any prey for two days. Who killed this elephant, by the way? asked the leopard. The lion killed it, and he has gone for a bath in the river, ordering me to stand guard. Even then, I don't mind if you eat some of its flesh to appease your hunger. Come on, enjoy it, and be off before the lion comes, said the fox. Hungry as the leopard was, he began to bite the very hard skin of the elephant. The fox was looking at him very carefully. As soon as the leopard made a hole in the elephant's skin, the fox shouted, 
Run away, sir, the lion has come. Hearing this, the leopard took to his heels without even looking back, and the fox felt very happy to be successful in his plan. Now, the clever fox started eating the flesh of the dead elephant without any worry. But just then, another fox happened to come there. Seeing the other fox, the first fox felt worried. He thought for a while and decided to fight the newcomer so that he could enjoy the elephant's entire flesh for himself. So as the second fox advanced towards the elephant, the first one fell upon him. A fierce scuffle took place between the two, and the first fox killed the second one. The tactful fox kept enjoying the flesh of the dead elephant for a number of days all by himself. How happy he was to have tricked all the fierce animals one by one, and to have done away with the last opponent, who was of his own kind. The wise fox put the lion off through his humble ways and scared the tiger through a trick. As for the leopard, he befooled him through bait, while the fox was killed by him. This story shows one more universal fact, that two of a stock seldom agree. They are jealous of each other, so they oppose each other. Thus killing of the second fox by the first one was justified by all means. Next is the loyal mongoose. Once there lived a Brahmin in a town. Just after a year of his marriage, his wife gave birth to a lovely son. The couple had a pet, a she-mongoose. Just the same day, the mother mongoose also bore a baby. But unluckily, she died only a few days later. So the Brahmin's wife decided to bring up the baby mongoose as a pet. She brought up the tiny creature with great care and love. In due course, the mongoose grew up and spent his time frisking about the house. The baby of the Brahmin couple felt very happy to see the mongoose frisking about near his cradle. But the Brahmin's wife had an unfound and ever-present fear that the mongoose might harm their son come some day. So she was very careful and never left their son alone in the company of the mongoose. One day, the Brahmin's wife got ready to go to the village well to bring a pitcher of water. Her husband was at home at that time. Their son was lying fast asleep in the cradle. While leaving the house, the Brahmin's wife said to him, Darling, I am going to bring water from the village well. Keep an eye on the mongoose, lest it should harm our son. The Brahmin said, Darling, the mongoose is our faithful pet. You have got a baseless fear and doubt in your mind about the tiny creature. He can never harm our son. Rather, he would do his best to protect him from any sort of harm if ever need arises. Go without any worry in your mind. I am very much here. Now as soon as the Brahmin's wife left the house, a person came there and said to the Brahmin, Sir, the head of the village has sent for you in connection with an important matter. He has asked me to take you along, as the matter is much too urgent. The Brahmin told him, My wife is away for some time. I will reach there after a short time. But the messenger insisted on taking him along. So the Brahmin accompanied him, leaving the house guarded by the mongoose. He was sure that the faithful mongoose will take proper care of the house as well as their son. 
Now it just so happened that a black cobra crept in the house when the Brahmin had left. The reptile crawled slowly towards the cradle, but the alert mongoose was there to stop him. He came face to face with the cobra and a fierce fight followed. It lasted quite a while, but at last, the cruel cobra was killed. After some time, the Brahmin's wife came back with the pitcher of water. Hearing the sound of her footsteps, the faithful mongoose ran to the main door to receive her and show her its victory over the cruel cobra. But the Brahmin's wife could not see through reality. Always doubtful as she had been, she thought just otherwise. Seeing the mouth and the paws of the mongoose covered with blood, she thought that the cruel mongoose had killed their son. Without thinking anything, she flew into a violent rage and flung her pitcher on the poor mongoose, who died on the spot. But when she got inside, she saw her son sleeping soundly in the cradle. Seeing a black cobra lying dead near the cradle on the floor stained with drops of blood, she at once realized the reality. So she began to cry aloud in utter grief. Just then, the Brahmin turned up too. His wife was too sad to speak anything. But at last, she told her husband the entire story. She wept tears of remorse over what she had done. The Brahmin was no less aggrieved either. His voice got choked, and he said to his wife, you foolish lady, I always told you not to have any doubts about our faithful pet, but you never heeded my words. You killed the tiny creature because of your doubts. Had you got inside the house to see the reality before doing this sin, the tiny pet would have been saved. Remember, God will punish you severely for this. I hope you like those Panchtantra stories. Now, next we are going to follow the tales of a wise man who solves others' problems in ancient India at the time of kings. Please enjoy these tales of Mullah Nasruddin, who was actually a real person. He was a Sufi philosopher who lived around the 13th century. Mullah Nasruddin, listen and grow rich. One day, Mullah Nasruddin was wandering around the city riding his donkey. It was a hot afternoon, and the sun made him sweat a lot. He was just about to take a few sips of water from his flask when he heard someone shouting nearby. Turning around, he saw that a sweet shop owner was shouting at an innocent-looking traveler. The noise grew louder and louder. Mullah could not resist. He went to them and asked what the matter was. The shopkeeper said, This man has been standing in the shade of my shop getting a whiff of all the delicacies being prepared here. But when I asked him to pay, he refused. The traveler said, The sun was making me dizzy, and I was about to faint. That's when I hurried to this place and stood for a while until I felt better. And now, the shopkeeper doesn't want me to leave without paying him. Twirling his mustache, Mullah looked at the traveler and ordered, hand me your purse. The traveler looked at him in disbelief before reluctantly handing over his purse to Mullah. Ah, said Mullah, and holding the purse near the shopkeeper's ear, gave it a good shake. 
Do you hear the rupees jingling? he asked. Yes, I do. Now give me the money, demanded the shopkeeper. That's all you can have, friend. The traveler smelt your dishes, and you heard the jingle of his rupees. He has already paid you for the smells of your delicacies with the jingling of his purse. Next time, be kind to weary travelers. The shopkeeper held his head in shame. The traveler thanked Mullah profusely before leaving on his way. Mullah winked at his donkey, patted his head, and said, That was easy. Then he took a few sips from his water flask. Next is a chain of events. Every day, Mullah Nasruddin would stand in front of the mirror and stroke the silky strands of his beard. He was always in awe of it. He did it for no particular reason and did it as many times as he could in a day and made it a point to examine his beard before going to bed. One night, he stood in front of the mirror, as was his wont, and stroked his beard. Just then, a mouse scampered onto his beard and jumped out of sight. The mouse might nibble away at my beard. I should get a cat, he thought. The next day, he got a cat. But what will the cat eat? I, I must get a goat. The goat would not let anyone milk her except for Gilzan. I shall send her to your house every day, said Gilzan's father. Mullah then hired a servant to fetch grass from, ha from a pasture far away. Then he converted one of the rooms of his house into a grocery shop. But all this was becoming too much for Mullah, who was used to being carefree. So he asked one of his friends, Fayez, for advice. Fayez suggested that Mullah marries Gulzan, who will manage everything. Mullah married Gulzan, but the next day she said, Dear husband, I don't like your beard, it reminds me of the goat. So Mullah shaved his beard and looked at himself in the mirror. Then Mullah realized that he had started a long chain of events just for his dear beard, which was now gone. Next is, If Thy Wish Be Granted. It was not yet evening. The children were still playing noisily on the streets. Under a banyan tree, near the lake frequented by fishermen, sat a small crowd. Mullah Nasruddin was also among them. The gathering was headed by none other than Salim Shah, a rich merchant who liked to converse with the townsfolk every Wednesday afternoon. Salim posed a question to the crowd that gathered in front of them. If God was pleased with you and offered to grant you a wish, what would you ask for? A young man replied, I would ask for a house that never runs out of food. Someone else from the crowd said, I would ask for a beautiful wife, children, and good health. The answers were as varied as the people under the tree. Then Salim asked another question. If you could only ask for wealth or brains, which would you choose? Mullah did not hesitate before saying, well. Salim smirked. I thought you were wise, but it turns out you were a fool. When given the chance, you should ask for something that you can't get anywhere else. Everyone laughed at Mullah. Not to be deterred, Mullah asked Salim, Sir, what would you ask, wealth or brains? Brains, without a doubt, Salim replied. Mullah said, I will ask for wealth, because I have none. One would naturally ask for something that one does not have. 
on that note, you will ask for brains because you do not. Do I have to finish the sentence? Salim was left red-faced. While he stared at Willa in embarrassment, the people in the crowd were afraid of offending Salim, so they exchanged looks and covered their faces to conceal their smiles. Thank you for listening to Mullah Nasruddin, and I hope you enjoyed that. I hope it was an enriching experience for you. And next is the story of the tales of an emperor and his advisor. Please enjoy some stories of Akbar and Birbal, who were actually real people and who lived around the 16th century. King Akbar was the third Mughal emperor, and Birbal was his close friend advisor and courtier. Akbar Birbal Whose money bag? The court had assembled. Emperor Akbar was going through routine administrative work. The guard informed that two men wished to settle a dispute in the presence of the emperor. Emperor gave permission for them to come. Both entered the court and bowed and stood in front of the emperor. What is your problem? Emperor asked. Your Highness, my name is Kashi. I am an oil merchant and make a living by selling oil. Your Highness, this man is a butcher. He came to my shop and purchased oil. He took my money bag along with the oil. I caught him and asked for my money bag. He refused, saying it belongs to him. Your Highness, I seek justice. You will get justice. Now what is your side of the story? Emperor asked. Your Highness, my name is Ramzan, and I am a butcher. Today, after completing my daily business, I picked up my money bag. Then this oil merchant came and snatched it from me. Now he claims it to be his own. Your Highness, help me get my money back. The king was thoughtful on hearing the story of both sides. He could not decide in whose favor he should make judgment. He asked Birbal to decide. Birbal took the money bag from them and asked both of them to leave the court for some time. Birbal asked an attendant to bring water in a bowl. He took out a couple coins from the bag and put them in the bowl. He gazed at the water. Then he said, Your Highness, no oil can be seen floating on water. If these coins were owned by the oil merchant, and there should have been some coating of oil on all the coins. Emperor put some more coins in the water and observed. Then he agreed with Birbal. Birbal called both of them back into the court and said, I know who is the owner of this money bag. Kashi, you are telling a lie. This bag of money belongs to Ramzan the butcher. Sir, this bag of money is mine, Kashi said. Birbal showed him the bowl containing the coins and water and said, if this bag belongs to you, then there must have been some kind of oil left behind on the coins. You see for yourself, there is no trace of oil. Kashi had no answer. Birbal returned the money bag to Ramzan the butcher, and Kashi was jailed. Next is the Moneylender's Portrait. A moneylender once got his portrait painted. The portrait was ready. The moneylender told the painter that it wasn't done properly, so he asked him to repaint it. The painter did as asked, but moneylender was again critical and asked him to repaint it. The painter painted many times, but each time moneylender distorted his face and did not match with the picture. 
In the end, the painter asked for the charges of the services rendered. What charges? When you could not make my desired portrait, then where is the question of charges? If you paint the exact portrait, then I shall pay the charges, stated the moneylender. Sadly, the painter returned home and narrated the incident to his wife. His wife suggested to take the matter to court. Acting on her advice, the next day he went to court and narrated the entire episode. Emperor Akbar asked for all the paintings and called for Moneylender. Emperor Akbar looked at the portraits carefully and said, Moneylender, is there anything wrong with the portraits? Yes, your highness. None of them actually resembles my face. Emperor was thoughtful. Then he asked Birbal to decide the case. Birbal heard and understood the whole case. He understood that Moneylender was smart at changing facial expressions and was intentionally harassing the painter. He pondered over the issue and said, Look, painter, I have seen all the paintings. They are lacking in totality. Be present in the court after two days with an excellent portrait of Moneylender. And Mr. Moneylender, you will also be present. If you like your portrait, make the painting. Both the painter and Moneylender returned home. A while later, Birbal called back the painter and told him to be present in the court with a big mirror. After two days, the painter was present in the court with a big mirror. When Moneylender arrived, the painter kept the mirror in front of him and said, Your portrait is ready. But this is a mirror. This is the real portrait. Well, Moneylender, is it not your picture? asked Birbal. Yes, yes, yes. Moneylender understood that he had been caught at his own game. He paid the painter to get out of the situation. The painter thanked Birbal. Next is Mother Tongue. One priest came to the court of Akbar and challenged the courtiers. Guess my mother tongue, or else accept defeat. Courtiers were not ones to accept defeat from outsiders. They questioned him in different languages, but the cunning priest replied in the same language in which the question was asked. How could anyone then guess his mother tongue? He was fluent in all languages. When all failed, he addressed the emperor. I give seven days time to guess my mother tongue to anyone. Do you accept it? Emperor Akbar looked at Birbal. Their eyes met. Birbal nodded, so the emperor said, I accept your challenge. The priest was staying in a lodge. Birbal found out the address of it. The next night, when the priest was fast asleep, Birbal entered his room. He tickled the ear of the priest with a straw. The priest murmured something and slept. Birbal again tickled him after some time. This time, the priest got up and screamed in Marathi. Who is there? Why are you disturbing my sleep? By that time, Birbal had safely hidden himself. The priest was unaware of his presence. He looked around and seeing no one there, he again lay on the bed and fell asleep. Birbal's job was over. Quietly, he left the room. The priest returned after a week in the court and said, Your Highness, could you find out anything about my mother tongue? Emperor looked at Birbal. Birbal replied, I shall say something about your question. For some time, both talked in various languages. In the end, Birbal said, Your Highness, the mother tongue of the priest is Marathi. The reply stunned the priest. He bowed his head, accepted defeat, and left the courtroom. Emperor Akbar was overjoyed at Birbal's wit. He was amazed how overnight he could solve the problem. 
On being asked, Birbal said, Your Highness, in time of difficulty or sadness, or when you wake up, suddenly the words uttered are in your mother tongue. He told them the whole story of what he had done. All the courtiers praised the insight of Birbal, and the emperor presented him with a gem embedded necklace. I hope you had a good laugh, or were intrigued because of these stories. Next is the hilarious stories of an extremely dumb man named Shaikhchili. Please enjoy these mind-boggling stories of comedic stupidity. Shaikhchili was actually a real Sufi saint who was incredibly wise and respected. He had a vivid imagination and was turned into a comedic character for children, but he wasn't a dumb man at all. The first story is called Brainstorm. One day, Shikchili's mother had just washed clothes and put them out to dry. Then she got busy in cooking food, while Shikchili lay on his cot and indulged in daydreaming. Outside, a storm was building up quietly. Suddenly, it unleashed its fury. With a great speed, it swept the village. Dust had made seeing impossible. Most of the people had just enough time to shut their doors and windows. The same was the case with Sheikhchili's household. Then, Sheikhchili's mother remembered about the clothes that she had hung out to dry. The wind had blown away all of those clothes. When the storm subsided, she ran out to look for the missing clothes, and she was not alone. Many other villagers were out looking for their things that were blown away. After a long time of looking around, she returned with almost all the clothes she found scattered over the village. She informed Shikchili, Son, I found all the clothes but for your pajama. I know where it is. I saw it. It's floating in the village well. Fish it out of the well or someone else will take it. Sad thing. Sad, Shikchili exclaimed. Mother, it's a matter of joy. You must thank Allah. Why? How is it a matter of joy? His mother asked, utterly puzzled. Had I been wearing that pajama, I would have been in that well drowned and dead by now. The mother gave her son a pitiful look. The son wondered why his wisdom was not being appreciated. The next story is called The Sick Sickle. Once, Shikchili's mother was sick with a fever, and she was worried about her idiot son and about putting him to some useful work. No one was ready to employ him. She was making both ends meet by selling wood, cutting grass, and selling it to the people who had milch cows. So she said to her son, Shikchili, I am running high fever. I can't go to cut the grass. You must do some work to earn food. Take the sickle, go to the jungle, and cut grass the way you saw me cutting. It's not difficult. If you don't do it, we shall go hungry. Eating was something that Shikchili liked the best of all things. The thought of going hungry chilled him. He picked up the sickle and went to the jungle. Somehow, he managed to cut an entire bale of grass by noon. It was a very proud moment for Shikchili. He had done a useful work that his mother would be grateful for. He returned home with a bale on his head and tossed it around, making loud noises for everyone to hear and to know that Shikchili was a man of work. His mother smiled with tears in her eyes. Suddenly. Shikchili realized that he had forgotten the sickle in the jungle. He went back to get it before anyone else could. 
It was there, lying in the grass, under the blazing sun. Shakespeare shouted as he touched it. The sickle had become heated. Its handle was even quite hot, as hot as his mother's fever-stricken body. Shakespeare was worried. Why was it so hot? He at once decided that the sickle was suffering from the fever like his mother. He thought that the sickle could die if it wasn't treated. So he picked up the sickle and went to a doctor. On a way, he met a person who asked, Where do you go, son? Why are you holding that sickle? Uncle, my poor sickle has a high fever. I must take it to the doctor. The other person knew that he had met an idiot. He was fond of pulling the legs of others. He said, I am a city doctor more qualified than the village doctor. Let me see the sickle. He felt the sickle. It was hot. He spoke, Tut, tut. It has high hay fever. It can be fatal. Oh, oh no, Shikchili cried. Tell me what I should do. Medicines don't work. You have to tie it with a string and dip it in the water of the well. Shikchili thanked the city expert doctor and did as he was advised. A few dips in the cold water cooled the sickle down. Now he thought he had a sure cure for the fever passed down to him by the city doctor. He ran to the house to see his sick mother. Her condition had gotten worse and she was now unconscious. No worries, I know the trick. Sometime later, people noticed the idiot Shikchili busy in doing something horrible. They rushed to the well and found that Shikchili had brought his sick mother to the well unconscious. He had tied a rope around her ankles and was about to lower her into the well to give her a couple dips into the water to treat her fever. When people learned about the sickle's fever and the treatment, they pitied the dumbness of Shakespeare. They were even too shocked to laugh. I hope you enjoyed that. And another example of an incredible folktale is the Nali Rama, the story of a minister who was very, very wise. I hope this episode was able to bring out a powerful essence of Indian culture and that it was able to bring you a truly enriching experience. Amazing stories like these, which are derived from honorable and real people, are extremely valuable, and it's sad to see that they are not receiving as much appreciation as they deserve because of the new and latest generation and its deep involvement into technology. This is one of the issues that SOAR aims to address, to encourage reading the good books, the classics, and just reading in general. Thank you for listening and have a great rest of your day. Remember to leave a review, like, and subscribe. See you next time. I implore you to SOAR.